Hello gamers, welcome back to the podcast. Let me be the first, well, I don't know if I'm the first, but I'm definitely one of the ones to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season to all you wonderful JRPG gamers out there. I am releasing this on Christmas Eve here in the States. And I just wanted to kind of preempt everything that's going on. Uh, I don't think any news is going to come out later this week. And uh, for me personally, not only do we have the Christmas holiday today and tomorrow, but my daughter's birthday is the day after Christmas. So we'll be all tied up with those shenanigans. So I just like, well, let's go ahead and just do the podcast. We got some fun stuff to talk about Um I guess the first thing I want to talk about is it is Christmas and we had a fun little thread uh, this week on the the Facebook page. And I kind of just want to read that to you guys as um, Christmas. uh, There's a there's a holiday special on Netflix for the cartoon home and they they describe it best. Christmas is a feeling. Um, We try to make it more materialistic than it. ever was intended to be um but at the end of the day it's absolutely a feeling and one of those feelings and what I tried to kind of touch on was um I shared the infamous image of the young man when he got the Nintendo 64 for for Christmas and that pure joy that uh <laughs> resonated back then and and I think we've all got some sort of Christmas memory like that. And I was kind of like, well, you know, what's your greatest video game Christmas memory? And I'll read through your guys's response first. And then I will share at least uh, one or two of, of mine. So Jeff started things off and he said Christmas 2001. So he remembers the, the year. Those things are a bit fuzzy in my mind. But he says, after opening all my gifts... I was shocked when Dad said there was one more thing for each of us, me and my two sisters. Out comes this big box containing a PS2 and ATV off-road fury. I jumped for joy that day, just like the kid with the N64. Um, my PS2 memory was more of standing in line waiting to to get it. Uh, but I do remember ATV off-road fury, Cherry, uh, in particular the second one, put a lot of hours excuse me into that one as uh i love those those games were a lot of fun uh ps2 not the best launch lineup of titles ever conceived but uh it's more of you know the memory that was awesome for for jeff um dalton chipped in he said man when i first got when i got my first playstation with crash bandicoot and siphon filter my dad and I put countless hours into those games, and I think that's awesome. I think a lot of us either we have. I think there's kind of two two schools when it comes to video games. Uh, either your parents uh, <laughs> got you into them and played them with you, or it was almost the opposite of whatever. Uh, the kid seems to enjoy it. He leaves me alone or she leaves me alone for a little while (laughs) and they go and they play their video games and that's what they really want for Christmas. So 
that is what I will get for them. And it seems like Dalton fell into the uh, former category there with his dad uh, playing the games with them. And, you know, my parents weren't necessarily like that, but they certainly never um, discouraged us from playing. And um, while it's certainly not led to a livelihood for me, it has certainly led to a lifetime of enjoyment and I couldn't help but uh, <laughs> give him a little bit of heat on it as well. Crash Bandicoot was certainly a kid-friendly title. I do not think Siphon Filter was probably the most appropriate uh, gift for a kid, but he did point out that his his uh, his parents were very hands-on and made sure they knew. Uh, uh, what did he say? I don't want to use put words about. Um, they were real big on what they could watch within reason because they always made sure to talk to him about how it was fantasy and not real. And that is also something I'm uh, really trying to emphasize with my daughter as she grows up. That and not only games, but you know, movies and uh, even though it looks real, it's not. Um, these are these are stories. They're not real things. People are not really getting hurt. And, you know, <laughs> little animals are not uh, dying in them. That is just, uh, that's just the way it is. Um, pre- forgive me if I don't pronounce your name correctly. Uh, Rise, Lyle, uh, R-H-Y-S. He says, back in the late 90s, I remember waking up walking to the lounge room and a PS one already hooked up and my dad had started playing Rayman. He said, even though I didn't get to open it, I didn't care. And honestly, I feel coming out to it already up and running was even better. And I, I couldn't help but agree with that. Um, that is, that's pretty cool. Um, again, you know, maybe he falls into that former category as well that, you know, his dad maybe got him into video games or at least supported him and wanted to play with him and be an active part of that process with, with his child. And that's pretty cool. Are you having all hooked up and ready to go? You know, you don't get to open that box, but then, uh, you know, as a kid, you're probably not able to hook up the system on your own. Uh, anyway, so it's probably a lot better that way. And lastly, Jordan said, he said, mine was getting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the arcade game for the NES and my stocking back in the early 90s. He said, I was thrilled because I always wanted that game and I played it to death the next couple of years following that. And I couldn't help but note that that's perhaps even to this day that may be the best Turtles game ever made. An arcade classic, put a lot of quarters into that one and and played it even more. And uh, Even when they uh, remade, not remade, but remastered it, a few years ago, I remember playing it again. It's just just as good as it ever was. And so in, in my mind, I've got a couple of um, Christmas memories. And I think the earliest one that I can recall is back in the day. Um, I guess I was about eight when my parents split up. So even even before that, money was never <laughs> never money was never free flowing. So. Um, if you got a system, it was definitely at Christmas time and the NES had already come out maybe one or two years before that. And we still did not have one. My first system was actually an Atari kind of speaking to my age here a little bit. I understand. And after my parents split, I think, uh, one of the guys that my mom dated had a Nintendo and had 
Super Mario. And he was not, I would never even say he was anything close to a gamer, uh, but he loved that game. And we got to play it when they, you know, we went over to his house and I just kept like, mom, I really, we'd really like this game. And we did end up getting it uh, for Christmas that year. And didn't I think we hauled a TV out of storage or out of a back room and, and just put it in the floor and hooked up the Nintendo to it. And I remember, you know, that entire Christmas, me and my brother playing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt in the floor and it, it we could care less. It was it was an awesome memory. Uh I do have a JRPG memory. And I don't think I've shared this with you guys before. Forgive me if I do. Um, it may just be kind of like that old Christmas story that I, I tell each time of year. Final Fantasy VI, or Final Fantasy III at the time, had come out, and I knew I wanted it, and I had gotten it uh, for Christmas. This might have been like a day or two afterwards when me and my brother discovered that there was a two-player option on Final Fantasy III for the Super Nintendo to where you could control, um, I think you... I think it was generically, it was just split up two and two. You might have been able to alter who controlled who. But we were both just sitting there playing it for days on end, obviously, and enjoying it immensely. Um, At that point in time, we had had my littlest brother. (laughs) Uh, He was a, uh, oops. Um, So I was quite older by that. We were both a little older by that time. Uh, he was born in July, so by Christmas time he was just you know kind of sitting up and just starting to move around. And mom was busy cleaning the house or, or, or you know tired from work, and so we were helping to watch. And we got fussed at pretty good because we were supposed to be watching my little brother, but we were sitting there playing the game all the time. So in our uh, extreme craftiness, we set up a circle of pillows and blankets all around him so that if he should fall over, you know, it would be a soft landing and he could play with his little toys inside his little pillow fort and, uh, and not get hurt too bad. And we could keep on gaming and, uh, not have to worry about any of that kind of, you can't be taken away from final fantasy time. That ain't right. Ma. Um, as I'm actually recording this, we just got Jake to chime in. He says, I don't remember the year, but I got star ocean two for the PlayStation as a kid. My memory's fuzzy. Well, Jake joined the, joined the club, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he thinks it was the first JRPG he ever had. And that nostalgic feeling when he thinks about it still hits me to this day for me. I guess you could say that is the JRPG that started at all and uh i want to thank you guys for chipping in on this one it's it's been a lot of fun to kind of read your guys's uh responses to it it's very very cool stuff um for me personally it was definitely uh the first dragon quest that got me into it we rented it from the uh from the store down the street and it was just that and then that got me into it but it was frustrating because it wasn't that first dragon Warrior was just brutally tough, and I was little at the time. It was not easy to play. I remember just definitely more when Final Fantasy came out that it was what I wanted to get into. 
So that's our trip down Christmas memory lane. I hope you have enjoyed it. We don't have a ton of things to talk about, and some of our stories are a little quicker hitter ones. But the big thing that broke right after uh, the last podcast got recorded, and I'm going to do this. There are two stories from Falcom. Um, one I'm going to tell you about now. And one I'm going to tell you about at the very end, as even for myself, it contains major spoilers and I do not want anyone to be ruined. But the first one we can easily talk about. And uh, they hinted at this a little bit, but I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming. And this is by no means a confirmation it's coming to the West. But Falcom will release PlayStation 4 versions of The Legend of Heroes, Zero Nakaseki, and Zero Legend of Heroes, Eno Kaseki, in spring 2020 in Japan, the company announced. And I probably didn't know, did a no service with the names, but they are also known as the Crossbell uh, Saga Parts 1 and 2. Based on the original PlayStation Portable titles released in 2010 and 11, respectively. They have been remastered in high definition with full voiceovers and new features such as the PlayStation exclusive, um, the uh, Kaseki Kai games, which is um, Cold Steel 1 and 2. Here is an overview of the game. Lauded for its detailed character portrayals and grand story development by game fans in both Japan and overseas, regardless of gender. The Trails series of Legend of Heroes has told over 4.3 million units. To commemorate the 10th anniversary of, we're just going to say Crossbell arc, <laughs> um, they will be released for PlayStation 4 in spring 2020. Fully voiced main story. A wonderful cast performs the story protagonist Lloyd Bennings and the other members of the Crossbell Police Department's special support section. In the first chapter of the Crossbell arc, the story runs around the founding of the SSS in the case to the case of religious cults. In the second chapter, the story revolves around the Mirage treasure that occurred in Crossbell states parallel to the to the events in the Coldsdale series, Cold Steel series. These grand stories can be enjoyed with fully voiced dialogue. They now have a high speed skip mode that players enjoyed in Cold Steel 1 and 2. They've been added as an additional feature. With the press of a button, you can change the game speed to two times faster for events when on the field, and four times faster in battle for a comfortable gameplay experience. I never use those. Um, I I know a lot of people love those things. I just can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't play with it. Uh, in line with the PlayStation 4 f- platform, both tiles support a frame rate of 60 frames per second, in addition to more vivid graphics upgraded to high definition from the original PlayStation Portable versions, the sound quality of bad background music and various sound effects have also been enhanced. Also similar to the Cold Steel series, an option to skip battle cut-in scenes has been added. That combined with high-speed skip mode allows players to enjoy standard and event battles both swiftly and skillfully. Additionally, Various user interfaces, such as the screen field and the menu screen, have been brushed up from the original PSP versions. Even players starting the Trail series for the first time will be able to enjoy these two games without the feeling 
of discomfort. There was also a bevy of images that went along for both titles. And this is great news. So, in particular, as I am playing Cold Steel 3, it you go to Crossbell and you really start um, getting into what happened in these games. And you can see all these references. Um, it is by no means necessary that you would have played these two games. It just would have been really helpful to get the full understanding as these characters do pop up in Cold Steel 3. You would have had a greater appreciation <laughs> uh, for them. Um, it definitely still looks like a PSP game. It very much reminds me of um, the Star Ocean First Departure that they just remastered. A little bit better, but definitely along those same lines. So this is great news. Um, I am very, very hopeful that we will get them in the West. I'd say it's 50-50, guys. Excuse me, a little drink there. I just, I just don't know. I really hope so, but there is a lot of dialogue in these games, and they would need to do some work as they've never been translated for the West. They don't have a previous build to go off of, and we'll just see. We shall see. There is another story I want to talk about. Like I said, I'm going to leave that one uh, to the end. Falcom did have one other interesting piece of. Um, information that they are developing a proprietary game engine. President, company president Kondo confirmed during its general meeting shareholders meeting today. According to Kondo, while the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Zero series is developed on the Sony-made uh, Pirate system, Falcom is currently developing its own engine internally. However, as it appears to be the engine that will still take some time to complete, the first title to use the engine is still a long way off. Kondo said he would like to see how their future projects work with the new engine. And so this coupled together with the story I just talked about, coupled together with the story we're going to talk about later, along with the continued uh, translation and eventual release of Cold Steel 4, Nihon Falcom is a company on the rise. They are, it's, it appears that they're experiencing growth. Um, there's a whole new generation of players that are getting interested in their games. So they got money coming in. <laughs> and so now they're developing a engine to fully utilize in their upcoming games. Obviously, we're talking about a PlayStation 5 engine, and we're talking a couple years a, away I would have to guess. It's good news, though. You saw this a lot, um, mostly in the uh, Super Nintendo days when Square really started to take off. And I think we are seeing the... We've been seeing it for a few years, but we're going to see Falcom really take off and be a major player in JRPGs for a long time to come. Um, one final <laughs> Falcom story, but it's actually more of a Nippon Ichi story as we got some new screenshots for the Switch version of Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3. 
Of course, this game is due out on March 19th, 2020 in Japan and spring 2020 in North America and Europe. So I've got this story link for you guys if you're curious to kind of see how it stacks up. You're going to need the PlayStation 4 version as a barometer. Um, and having still playing it right now and then looking at these screenshots, it's obvious that there is a there's a noticeable dip in quality, but you'd expect that. Like we talked about before, this game is only going to be maxed out at 720. There is no... 1080 mode even docked on the switch and that's it's evident um is it better than nothing absolutely i just you know as we talked about ad nauseum before it's a little bit of an odd story but if you are curious as to how it's looking this is one way that you can really check it out and see uh, let's take just a quick breather here, about halfway through the podcast. we got a couple other quick stories to talk about, and uh, one big story to talk about, if you want to bear with me. Let's take a break here on the JRPG Report, episode 91. As we were going to break there, I certainly reminded myself that I'm not even sure if I introduced the podcast, let alone that this was episode 91. It's I was just so excited to get into our Christmas stories, you know. Quickly update our listener support um, contest is still ongoing. You've still got about a week to sign up for that. I got four entries. We just need one more, and that contest will go live. All you got to do is sign up for listener support. Any level will accomplish that, and you'll be entered to win either that FF7 Remake Collector's Edition, that Persona 5 Royal Special Edition, or if there's something else that tickles your fancy around that $80 mark, you can have that as well. doesn't matter to me what you want, but we will have a winner. Should one more, just one more, guys. Sign up. You can do it for as little as $1 a month. And you'll also be supporting this podcast that I hope that you listen to every week. Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of the Elusive Age has been a success. I don't think there's anybody that would doubt that easily. Uh, one of, if not the best, JRPGs to be released in recent memory. And a testament to that, Square Enix has announced that uh, both um, the PS4 and Switch versions of it have now surpassed 5.5 million units sold. In a a release to that, it actually doesn't say this is from... um, Oh, there it is. Uh, Giant Quest creator and game designer Yuji Hori says, I strongly believe... That this figure has only been achieved thanks to our fans who have always loved the Dragon Quest series and also the new players that have discovered Dragon Quest or JRPGs through this title, he said in a press release. If I could ever go back in time and meet myself when I was still making the very first Dragon Quest, I would love to tell him in 30 years' time, Dragon Quest XI Echoes of Elusive Age has been released and loved by international fans beyond seas and languages. I will carry on doing my very best to deliver further Dragon Quest titles to our fans worldwide. Thank you very much to all the fans who have enjoyed this title. No, thank you, sir. (laughs) 
you keep releasing these gems and we will keep on buying them. Uh, don't worry about that. In other Dragon Quest news, and I am completely unfamiliar with this one, but Square Enix announced a new game project based on the weekly Shonen Jump manga, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, which ran from 19... I got so confused on that one. It ran from 1989 to 1996 and has since sold over 47 million copies. Additionally... Toy Animation announced a new anime based on the manga, set to premiere in fall 2020. Dragon Quest Adventure of Die game, developed by Square Enix and produced by a person named Ryu Toro Ichimura. Platforms were not announced, um, but when guest Daigo asked if it was an app, meaning smartphone, smartphone title, Dragon Quest creator Yuji Horai responded, are we allowed to say what hardware, he asked. In response to that exchange, Ichimura said, Once you say hardware and such, it's basically given away. Whether it's an app or what hardware it's on really shouldn't be brought up. Um, there was a teaser uh, trailer announced for it, but it's purely a, a teaser. I'm going to guess this is an app, a smartphone game. I may be wrong, but it just seems like that's kind of where they're headed with a lot of these ones. And it would make more sense uh, to me that uh, that that would happen. We did get some information um, from Jump Fiesta 2020 about Megaton Musashi. I really thought we were going to get a bunch of information come out from that. But uh, at least from my sources being, well, mostly being Gamatsu, uh, there's not been anything that I've been able to really get out of, at least nothing new. So... Other than this, Level 5 released a Jump Festa 2020 trailer, three gameplay videos, information, and screenshots for the cooperative robot action RPG Megaton Musashi. Uh, developed in collaboration between Weekly Shonen Jump and Level 5, Megaton Musashi is an upcoming cross-media project. The game is a cooperative robot action RPG featuring online battles where players control a giant robot. Powder robot created through the concentration of Earth technologies and fight alongside friends against alien invaders. So they detail the three robots, at least that have been shown so far. They say that you can freely combine parts to customize your own robot. The amount of potential combinations is endless. Uh, they detailed some of the story. They say this is a story about mankind's counterattack to take back Earth from alien invaders. In the year 2118, a mysterious alien invader called Directors suddenly invaded the planet. Within a matter of days, they gained total control of Earth. Earth was gouged out into the shape of a donut, and the planet became an alien nest. The humans they evacuated to the shelter, a high-defense residential facility, planned their counterattack. They have an image of the Earth and it's it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> um, it's now kind of greenish hue to it, and there is literally yes, a giant hole cut in the middle with some sort of energy circle thing, majabra going on in the middle of it. It is frightening to say the least. Um, 
uh, continuing the story, they say, it was their last hope, the power to oppose the overwhelmingly huge arsenal of the alien invaders. Its name was Musashi, a Megaton-class giant robot. They detail the three characters uh, that are in this one, and they're all <laughs> extremely anime-looking. Uh, they've got ya- Yamato, the sinful fighting fiend. They've got Teru, an elitist without compassion, and Ryugo, a fiery and powerful boss. Uh, like I said, there was three trailers that went along with that. It's an interesting-looking game. Uh, it's got level five, so it kind of got my attention. Um, we'll know a lot more about it later on. A quick blurb that NIS America will host a panel at PAX South 2020 in San Antonio, Texas on January 17th at 12.30 Pacific Time, 2.30 Central, 3.30 Eastern, where it will share, quote, information that has never been revealed along with new announcements. The company teased in a press email. There's an accompanying image just saying NIS America will be at PAX South 2020. The panel will feature a special guest who will be speaking on said announcements, but NIS America did not share in any hints. I love that there is such a thing as PAX South. There's, you know, East West, and I guess there's a North one as well. Living in the South, I love Texas, don't get me wrong, but Texas is its own other uh, thing it's not in the south <laughs> it's in the geographical center and i guess the southern part of the country but you know living in tennessee this is the south um so i've always been a little dismayed that they're not in someplace like atlanta which would be more like okay if you want to have a pax thing in texas just call it PAX Texas, because Texas is certainly big enough to draw plenty of people there. Um, it kind of feels like us people over in the actual South are left out of the PAX experience. Um, cause Texas is a world away for folks like myself. It takes forever to drive there. Uh, whereas like Atlanta, it's like four and a half hours. I would certainly go if it were there. But that's just a rant for another day. <laughs> uh, Fairy Tale released its Japanese box art. Publisher Koi Tecmo and developer Gust released the box art for Fairy Tale, which is illustrated by series creator Hiro Mashima. Fairy Tale is due out March 19, 2020, for PC via Steam and PlayStation 4 and Switch in Europe and Japan, and PS4 for Switch and on March 20th in North America. So it's kind of cool getting the box art. They waited till they announced all the characters that are on the box. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like there's like a 10 or 11 people on here. So they had to wait till they had kind of released all that information before, uh, losing that box art. A interesting game is coming out very soon. And I believe it is called Vistaria Saga 1, War of the Scions, a strategy RPG led by Fire Emblem creator Kaga, will launch on PC via Steam on December 27th in the West for 19 dollars Publisher 
Dangan Entertainment and Developer Vesteria Project announced. So it definitely is a strategy RPG. Kind of got a classic look to it, maybe looking like a PS1, but just uh, very reminiscent of like the first Sukunen. Sprites are a little bit smaller than they were on there, but kind of just the initial impression that I get. There was a uh, launch tile that went along with that. So here are some of the key features. An enthralling campaign of espionage, international intrigue, and war. Written by veterans of the genre. Varying story paths and endings based on your choices and who survives to the end. Over 20 unique characters recruit with a wide variety of classes, weapons, and skills. Intricate maps filled with a variety of enemies and strategic puzzles to overcome. Two finely tuned difficulty modes to accompany both strategy veterans and newcomers. The ability to save every five turns so that you can quickly undo any mistakes you've made during battle. Well, that would be very useful for somebody like myself who is not very good at these games. A full English script translated from the original Japanese by a veteran translator. The first chapter in a new strategy RPG series that builds upon classic SRPG traditions. So, like I said, that one's coming out in just a couple days after Christmas for $19.99, but just available on PC via Steam as of this moment. Um, So two stories left to go, and the first one is all about Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers. They released the trailer for Makoto Ninjama, who uh, I believe is one of the last ones, if not the last one, to be released. So she got her new trailer. The game is due out for PS4 and Switch on February 20th, 2020 in Japan. Hopefully we are going to get that soon. Uh, Koda was my girl in Persona 5, looking to uh, strike back up her relationship when uh, Wordle comes out and get to use her. She looks awesome in battle. Um, a really fun melee character. Uh, not to be outdone, we got uh, detailed information about four characters. We got... Uh, Yusuke, uh, Makoto, Fatuba, and Haru. And uh, these are pretty detailed, so if you want to sit back and relax. Um, this very much kind of got the uh, Final Fantasy remake treatment to the characters a lot more in-depth. But um, kind of taking it of the approach that maybe you haven't played Persona 5 for some reason. I can't... Imagine too many people are going to be into Scramble if you've not played P5, but sure. So this is all about uh, Yusuke, a third-year high school student in uh, a high school arts course who aspires to become an artist. His paintings are highly acclaimed. While his abilities were exploited by his teacher, he made the decision to leave upon meeting the protagonist and friends and learning the truth in another world. After awakening to his persona, he became a member of the Phantom Thieves of Hearts. While he has eye-catching good looks, he is overly passionate about arts and often out of touch when he speaks, puzzling those around him. Since he puts all of his money into art supplies, he is naturally broke. His action is to determine your chance to counterattack and rain down on the enemy with a surge of slash attacks. He is Fox, of course, 
and uses a katana in battle. With high attack power and nimble sword play, he specializes in combo attacks. Additionally, he can unleash continuous attacks as well as counter after sheathing his sword. If your counter is successful, your combo count will further increase. His gun attack rifle can easily snipe enemies. Gomon is his dedicated persona. He possesses attack skills that specialize in ice and physical attributes. Freeze the enemy, then follow up with a physical skill to deal major damage. Uh, we got Makoto's uh, introduction as well. She says, a college student studying law with the goal of becoming a police bureaucrat. Influenced by her strict older sister, she bound herself to being an honor student. While she was used by adults, she broke out of her shell, awakening to persona and becoming a member of the Phantom Thieves of Hearts. While her strict and serious personality, from when she was president of the student council at Shujin Academy, has somewhat softened, she is still the big sister-like presence of the Phantom Thieves, a martial artist who crushes her enemies with her fists. Even <laughs> Ryuji fears her, quote, fist punishment. Her action is nuclear-covered fists. The end of Century Iron Fist Rider. Codename Queen. She fights using fist equipment in close-range combat. She specializes in a variety of attacks, such as summoning and riding her motorcycle-style persona. I cannot wait to attack <laughs> with the motorcycle. She can also burst, which grants the nuclear attribute to each attack, causing explosions and expanding her attack range. Her gun attack revolver specializes in rapid fire. Johanna is her dedicated persona. She specializes in nuclear attribute skills and also possesses recovery skills. Since the nuclear attribute does major damage against fire isometric, she is compatible with Joker as well as other members of the Phantom Thieves. So yeah, she'll break out Johanna on the bike when Showtime is activated. Fatuba is a genius hacker who once shook the world. Due to selfish adults, she was giving the impression that her mother's death was her fault and lived a sheltered life confined to her room. She lacked interpersonal communication skills and feared going out in the public, but regained her true memories when she awakened to her persona. She supports the Phantom Thieves from the back, operating in the navigator role. After the incident of the first game was resolved, she seems to have more or less grown accustomed to people as attending school. She has navigation from field guide to enemy analysis, the navigator of the Phantom Thieves, codenamed Navi. While she does not participate in battle, she navigates the Phantom Thieves through field and enemy analysis. She cooperates and provides a detailed analysis of enemy weaknesses, party member status ailments, and other conditions. She can also hack the field to eliminate obstacles. Her dedicated persona is the Nomon... <laughs> Oh man, Necro Con. It specializes in support style skills from buffering from buffing to HP and SP recovery. It backs up the team with a variety of logistical support. And Haru is the daughter of the president of a major food company, Akamura Foods. Her father tried forcing her into an arranged marriage for company related purposes, towards which she feels towards which she feels she suppressed her feelings. 
When her persona awakened, she gained the courage to cast her father's spell aside. And while her father died in the midst of it, she overcame her grief and fought to the bitter end. These days, she is a college student and is involved in the administration of Nakamura Foods. She is quiet and kind and has a strong sense of justice, but also be somewhat naive and foolish. She even calls herself the Beauty Thief. Her action is to elegantly and boldly destroy shadows in the blink of an eye, codenamed Noir. Unlike her lovely appearance, might suspect she wields an axe in battle. Coming from her standard attack, all her special attacks are sustainable from psychokinesis to gun and more. Her gun attack launcher specializes in power and scope. Her dedicated persona is my lady. She specializes in psychokinesis skills and can also possess gun skills. Her psychokinesis skills can deal major damage to enemies with status ammos such as fear, rage, and brainwash. Alright, so that's quite all a big mouthful, uh, but it's cool to get all this information kind of out there uh, to kind of refresh your memory maybe a little bit. It's been a while since you played Persona 5. Um, Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers, is due out for PS4 and Switch on February 20th, 2020 in Japan. No release date yet for us in the Americas. So that is the end of the podcast for some of you. I will give... Uh, I'll keep talking for a few moments, but we have one more announcement from Falcom regarding the future of the trail series. It is not full of spoilers, but if you'd rather not know anything, just know that there is a new game coming out. We talked about this before that they were going to do a spinoff and we now have more information about it. However, if you have not played in particular, for me, you know, I've only played the Trails of Cold Steel series, and there is um, images along with it that can lead to a spoiler, but I may say something that you don't want to hear, and I'm not going to say anything more at the end of the podcast. This will be the last thing, so if you feel like you need to turn it off, feel free to. Otherwise, let's press forward. Falcom has re- announced The Legend of Heroes. Uh, let's try this. Hajimari no Kaseki, which is Trails of the Beginning for PlayStation 4. The latest entry in the Trails of Legend of Heroes games. And a, a, quote, ambitious title and turning point that will lead to the series' conclusion. Unquote. Is planned for release in summer 2020 in Japan. Here's an overview of the game via Falcom. Warning! The following content may contain spoilers for previous entries in the Trail series of the Legend of Heroes games. At least they warned me beforehand. I didn't read this at first. Like, I just stopped. Because I (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was ready for it or not. So, here is the release. They say, this is the end as well as the beginning. The whole of the Empire was weakened in the disaster known as the Great Twilight. Thanks to the efforts of the heroes, the land of Zemeria pulled through the crisis, and a new fate has been spun, moving the story towards its end point. The game is set on the continent of Zemeria after the Great Twilight. The three main characters and their actions all over the continent caused troubled destinies to become intertwined, intricately overtwined. One is a hero. 
with a picture of Reen. And it actually looks like he is up on um, the mountaintop behind Ymir. Remember that place where uh, you can go on the spirit path and with uh, Valimar and transport? That is in the background. One is the Liberator. And it's got a picture of Lloyd Bannings along with a new character that I'm not familiar with at least. And one is a hermit. And it's got a masked individual that I do not know who it is. And a small, looks like homunculus looking character in a very fancy dress. The Legend of Heroes. Um, what were they calling this one from the beginning? Trails of the Beginning. Features plenty of new systems that utilize the strengths of the Trail series, including a cross-story system that allows players to switch between three routes at will to depict stories happening in parallel to different perspectives. Over 50 playable characters, including some new faces, and expansive episode scenarios that delve into the backgrounds of each character. How do the people of Crossbell feel as they prepare to be independent once more? What thoughts pass through the minds of people of the Empire who lost their mighty pillar? And what of the agenda of the Society Ouroboros, whose Grandmaster decreed that the Orpheus final plan will be advanced to a new stage? So you have all kinds of stuff that you may not want to know. I didn't necessarily want to know, <laughs> but I got a job to do here, and that is what I do. Um, the other image that accompanied it was uh, two characters at a gravesite, and... Uh, Rizé Mayo, is that her name? The uh, performer of the circus with the giant sword that's at the end of Cold Steel 2 is in another image. Um, maybe Lloyd in the background. Actually, I believe it is him. Um, so, there's stuff in there. I'm not going to go over all of it, but the most interesting thing about this game that's different is... And it says allows players to switch between three routes at will to the big stories. <laughs> is it going to be now the first thing you would think about if you play Grand Theft Auto five is the ability to switch between the characters. There was three main characters that you could switch to and from um, at will. They said as well, that was not the case. Most of the time, if you weren't doing anything, you could do that. Once you got into a story segment, you were not switching between the characters. And even when you wanted to, um, certain characters were, quote, unavailable. I believe it's probably going to be closer to that. But it may even be where there's uh, stopping points that you would be able to switch between those characters. But this is huge. Um, will it come out in 2020 in Japan? I kind of doubt it. It seems like we know so little about this game and they're saying it's going to come out in six months from now, six to seven months. I guess summer, it could be as long as eight months from now, but it just seems like they're not going to make that time frame. That'd be great if they did, but I just kind of doubt it, but I am super excited that we're going to get you know this game i really hope that we're talking about localization of cold steel 4 at some point in time so like i said falcom is growing but they have got some work to do on all ends of the spectrum 
Um, they need to get much, much better with their translation and getting it out in a timely fashion to the rest of the world um, because this thing's growing. And you can't keep releasing games two and three years <laughs> afterwards. And like I said, with like the Crossbell series, that was 2010 and 11, and we still don't have that over here. Um, and now you're talking about a spinoff title to tie up the events after Cold Steel 4 before the West even has a, a confirmation that is going to be translated and brought over here. I, at 99.9% sure they will, but we still don't have that confirmation. So I'm super excited about the future of this series. It has limitless potential. And as I continue to thoroughly enjoy part three, I see the evolution of this series as well. You really see it when you see the screenshots uh, from Crossbell, <laughs> um, how far these this title has come in a very short amount of time from you know Crossbell to Sky to Cold Steel 1 and 2 to 3 is some big leaps, some much needed leaps, and it can't help but kind of give you very op- optimistic outlook for this series and this company. That being said, I'm done talking. This has been a long podcast. Hope you enjoy it over your Christmas break. I don't know what's going to happen next week. Um, looking at the calendar, you know, normally we're on a Thursday release schedule, so maybe we'll start getting back into that a little bit more. Wednesday is the first. Tuesday is the second. So, yeah, sometime either Wednesday or Thursday. Once we have some things to talk about. And I completely plan on um, having a drawing for the contest if one more person will sign up after uh, the first of the year. I will video it. So, now that we get to see my uh, lovely <laughs> face, but uh, so that you know, there's no uh, no funny business going on and it's all legit. We'll uh, maybe get get the daughter involved. I'm sure she would love to pick a name out of a hat. It'll be fun. Anyway, that'll wrap up this one. Don't forget, give us a like on Facebook. I share all the stories that we talk about, all the videos, all the images. You can get the links to those on our Facebook page. Appreciate everybody signing up uh, for that, as well as give us a like on YouTube. I try to stream, if not most, you know, not every night, but most nights that I'm able to. You can catch all those previous streams as well. And you can sign up for listener support, which will not only put you in the contest to win, but will enable you to support this completely independent every week podcast. I just do out of the love for, uh, for the genre and for you guys. That's going to wrap it up for episode 91. My name is James Fisher. Thank you so much for listening. And again, let me wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May 2020 be the best JRPG year yet. But enjoy your break, guys. Get back out there and level up.